Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 172. We are your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, ladies. Yes. yes I am happy so New happy Year. to be back. Yes. yes. Happy New Year. So, speak, yeah. No, speaking of New Year, how, what, how did you guys spend New Year's? Like, ringing <laughs> in the New Year. <laughs> so, this is Kristen. On New Year's Eve, um, I usually give the employees the day off. And so, Eddie and I were at the shop. We were there until, I think, 4. We closed early at 4 o'clock. But while I was there that day, I had chanclas on and I kicked a wooden box that was on the ground and hurt my little toe so bad. I thought I broke it and I was so upset. I'm like, no, I have a race coming and all this. But I was limping for the rest of the day. So it was rainy that day and we didn't have plans. But so we just had decided we would go to some restaurant here in downtown Torrance uh, and hang out and see what was going on. And actually, one of the bar slash restaurants said they were going to have karaoke, but when we went by, they were completely closed. So (laughs) instead, we went to dinner, and we were there having New Year's Eve dinner like at 6.30. (laughs) 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 But because it was raining, I had to put closed-toed shoes on, and plus I dressed up. I had like a skirt and a sweater and stuff but my toe was just throbbing the entire time I was sitting eating my my um New Year's Eve uh meal which was like uh tater tot nachos and I think I had a uh tri-tip sandwich um but my foot was throbbing, so I had my shoe off under the table. <laughs> and every time I had to get up to go to the bathroom, I had to, like, stuff it back in there, and it Ooh. hurt so bad. By the end of the night, which was 8 o'clock, we <laughs> walked back to the car. I had one shoe in my hand. the other one, I had the other one on. And um, my Miles Morales socks. <laughs> Walking in the rain home. We got home, and I think I was asleep on the couch by 8.30. what about you jen well i worked that day uh because corporate corporations never know a break um uh, (laughs) but once i got home i got home like around 7 7 30 ish and i really wanted tamales but i didn't have the energy to like make my own because it's a long process and I knew I want to be eating by like until like 1 a.m. when it's already New Year's. So I very quickly put in a sprouts order. Um, uh, <laughs> I bought some frozen tamales. Um, uh, and they, I mean, they're not the like 5 a.m. little old Mexican lady uh, selling at the yeah. laundromat type of tamales good. But they were decent. Like they were, they were decent. They fulfilled the itch that I had. Um, um, <laughs> and I also had like a like a frozen pizza that I warmed up, and I ordered like uh, some chicken, and I ate that with tortillas, and that was my New Year's Eve meal. Yeah, it wasn't anything exciting. Um, um, I because I was working, and I knew I was going to be working. I didn't make it down to LA, even though I kind of wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
but nothing super exciting. Like literally the next day, like after like New Year's Day, uh, my winter session class started too. So I was just like, oh, fuck it. Uh, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Well, I saw Sarah, you had some nice makeup on and you were all fancy dressed. Did you actually go somewhere? <laughs> to the living room? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you yeah, gotta dress so- up in your own home. Yeah, so um, I got I got the makeup done and everything because I'm like I'm gonna take New Year's Eve pictures and we okay. were hoping to do our tradition where um, we burn the last year's Christmas tree in the fire pit outside, but uh, it was raining, so oh, we had to right. cancel the whole fire. And so uh, my husband, because you know he has this schedule where he gets up like at five or six in the morning, goes to work, and so he doesn't stay. Uh, um, he doesn't stay up past like 10. And so like he had been like enjoying because he did some cleanup work during the day and we ate leftovers from uh, Christmas because uh, we have a lot of leftovers. And so we didn't he didn't really cook anything in particular. And um, all, the, all I remember that was really good for me was I took a bath and was watching Special Victims Unit <laughs> on my iPad <laughs> in the bath. Uh-huh. <laughs> drinking a Stella out of the fancy Stella Artois glasses yeah. and I was just there for like an hour I'm just like yeah it's six o'clock you know I'm just gonna enjoy today you know we're not gonna have people over or anything mm-hmm. so um then I did my makeup and then by the time I was done with my makeup my husband fell asleep <laughs> so I didn't even I didn't even end up going to the living room because by that time my brother and his fiance decided to go to a friend's house so they rang in the new year there so I was uh-huh. just watching tv and my husband was asleep and he woke up at midnight because in Compton they they do a lot of fireworks yeah so he woke up he gave me a kiss and he's like happy new year honey and he went back to sleep we woke up at midnight because of all the uh, fireworks outside and said the same thing. Happy New Year. Then we went to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was awake. It's so funny. Yeah. You were awake, Jen? Yeah, I was awake playing video games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. You know, it's so funny that you stubbed your toe, Kristen, because I also did that. I, I oh. moved the ta- the center table uh, because we had a gingerbread building contest for Christmas. Oh, and cool. so I wanted to put the gingerbread houses uh, on the side, you know, with a little light. I'll post pictures later, but I was running out my room. for I don't know why I was running, but I stubbed my toe and I still have a little bit of pain. Yeah, so me I'm too. just like, I totally know how you feel. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I can't <laughs> believe you're running though. You are actually doing your miles. Yeah, I, I had, I had, well, that was a, that was, I had a whole week until I had my long run. Um, but I did, I put a sleeve on my little toe to kind of help it so that it didn't take all the impact and that helped. But by the end of the mileage, we did nine, uh, that day, by, by the end, I was ready to take my shoe off. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. I mean, I, I actually hit th- those three little toes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the middle one is the one that, that is a little bit swollen, but I've been put, mm-hmm. putting Sepol on it, which is like Vicks Vapor Rub, yeah. and it's helped, but yeah, but yeah that, so I fi- I think we're getting old uh, and celebrating our new year the way we should be out there, you know, partying <laughs> I up. know, Jen, I, I was hoping to live vicariously through you and your story. Too. <laughs> uh, no, you know what, now that I, re- it was, um, um, 
It was also raining here. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. On New Year's. It was raining. Because I think it was the start of, like, this, like, storm stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the really early onset. So it was raining pretty heavily uh, out here. Because, like, I did put on, I put on, like, a nice outfit. Um, uh, like, a, it was, and I was just, like, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to get home. Um, um, drop off my, like, work lunch bag. And then either go to, like the bar maybe possibly take the train up to San Francisco because I still had plenty of time. Like mm-hmm. I would have gotten to like San Francisco, maybe at like eight or nine, plenty of time to party, but it was oh, yeah. raining really hard. And I was like, yeah. no fucking way. I'm yeah. not going to do that. I'm not in the mood to do that. And I don't want to be up in the, I don't want to be in whole clothes in the rain. Fuck that. So. Like it's not, it's not fun. It's it's not a yeah. fun kind of wet. So yeah. Um, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, sorry, ladies. No, no whole story to share with you this time around. Darn it! Maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome, though. I'm I'm glad we all were safe in our New Year celebration. You know, part of us were sleeping, but still <laughs> woke up for midnight. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I have some chisme I just ran across on the Internet. Turns out Minnesota County, Hennepin County attorney Mary Moriarty took uh, her oath of office on a copy of March, the autobiographical graphic novel co-written by John Lewis. Um, I thought that was freaking really cool. Um, She's also, when she swore in on January 3rd, Moriarty placed her hand on a copy of March Book One, and uh, she is in addition to being one of the first LGBTQ plus women to be elected in the Hennepin County Hennepin County, which is kind of awesome, I think. Uh, she, Moriarty is known for speaking out against racial bias in the criminal justice system. Um, so this thing is like super cool. Um, Powell wrote in response to that, uh, he said, I was blown away by this news. So I thought that was cool. And this is, um, I also heard that there was another person when they were sworn in, they uh, swore in on the first copy, uh, first. Uh, Action Comics first? number. Yes. Number one or Superman one? number one. Yeah, Superman, Superman number one. one. Okay, yeah, uh, U.S. Representative Robert Garcia uh, swore into Congress um, in addition to on top of the Constitution onto a copy of Superman number one, which apparently uh, is in the um, Library of the Congress. Hall of Justice. It's the Library of Congress. <laughs> the Hall of Justice. Wrong. Wrong. Fictional place. <laughs> That's funny. No, okay, like, I don't know... I don't know much about that. I never really looked into it. But what do they actually swear on? Is it the Bible? Yeah. Like, regularly? Okay. Which makes sense because if they're not, like religious then mm-hmm. i guess you know on a book that they admire or has met have this meaning to them i suppose yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's cool that's pretty well, cool we, what the, book the, would the you swear something on by like i'm trying to think about it like i don't think it would uh, be the bible what? for me either because i see it as a piece uh, of no, and you're and you're right. Um, there's a exhibit right now at the Getty. It's going to be ending, um, I think, on the fifteenth of this month. But it's a, I think, the first book that was recovered from the Mayan. Oh something, wow! Something. Oh. It's like the first. Yeah, codex? it's on like the. 
Yes. And I'm just thinking, would that be the book? <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> I mean, know. The Popol Vuh or something like that. The yeah. So um, nothing else comes to mind except that because I just read up on that. Um, what is it called? That exhibit. I wanted to make it, but I don't know if we'll be able to because I, of course, left it to the last minute. <laughs> So, but uh, but yeah, no, I really would, especially on the heels of watching um, uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. I thought that'd be like super cool. <laughs> but uh, yes, anyway. So, what about you, uh, Kristen? What would you uh, swear on? I don't know. I don't have a my my favorite book. Uh, used to be the stand by stephen king um but i think just for pure shock value i would use a copy of um nabokov's lolita <laughs> oh my god imagine the outcry oh my gosh There's, that's why shock value and then you do you have them up in arms, and then yep. but you would have the literary crowd on your side. You would have yeah. the literary <laughs> crowd on your side. You know, I stand that by. That is so cool. <laughs> now I gotta now now I want to be controversial. Now I'd have to think about this. <laughs> what did I was you say, say. Jen? Um, I would. Mine would probably either be um, oh. It would either be a copy of the Odyssey, um, mm. simply because it's I think it's one of the best. But I, then I was like thinking about it, just because I think it's one of the best like pieces of ancient literature, doesn't mean that like it's something that I like swear by. So I was just like, like if I like if I was seeing maybe Dragon Rider by Cornelia Funk, because simply because I just have such a love for that book, because it was mm -hmm. my favorite child, it was the childhood favorite book. People had Harry Potter, I had Dragon Rider. Um, um, that one, or if maybe possibly just also to like stir the pop, maybe some like smutty romance BL book <laughs> that I have here. <laughs> That's cool. be funny. I like that. Which to choose? That would be fun. Which to choose? Yeah. Which to choose? That, the possibilities are endless. I mean, I could yeah. swear on Ramona Quimby. Um, oh, I used I to love all the Ramona Which books. One? Yeah, or the Sweet Valley High. Yeah, <laughs> or V, or VC Andrews. Is the attic? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Flowers yeah, that's some smut right there. Flowers in the attic, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I have some sad cheese mitt. Uh, in fact, um, I re I just reminded myself when I stretched and I saw what what sweatshirt I was wearing. Um, oh this yes. Grand Brewery, which uh, is the brewery <gasps> that is right across the street from my house, and is the brewery that Jen, Sarah, and I all went to meet our initial meeting when we were just fleshing out the idea of Comadas y Cabos. We didn't even have a title yet. Um, we went uh, to meet there and we had a pitcher. I think we had like two or three pitchers of Harvest Ball. We had three. Yes. <laughs> and, um, they announced this, this week that they're, they, not even that they're closing, that they're closed. They're, it's just 
closed. There's no more Strand Brewing Company. And that's so sad to me, not only because it literally was across the street from me, walking distance, um, and very super convenient, but um, as a small business owner myself, I know how really trying these last three years have been for small, independently owned businesses. And a lot of people in the comments on their social media were talking about how they just were never able to catch up from missed rent payments during COVID. Uh, and a lot of loan forgiveness just was not enough for a lot of businesses. And I know for myself, if Heidi Ho wasn't able to have um, subleased uh, out our big uh, location on Broadway to, to where we are now, um, we probably would have had to close too. So I am really sad about that. And I don't know if there is a future for Strand, um, but it seems to be a trend uh, for South Bay breweries right now uh, closing. I think Kings Harbor, I heard also closed. Um, really? We know Phantom Carriage closed. So yeah. Also, a state <clears throat> brewing company in Gardena closed. Oh, wow. Uh, Indie Brewing Company in L.A. closed. Um, mm. That one was really wonderful because they would have the meetings, uh, the women in brewery oh, yeah. uh, meetings oh. there. Yeah, so that, I've, I had uh, some heart for that, even though it was so far away for me to drive down there and drink. But it was just like a, a, a safe space for women yeah. brewers and meetings, and that was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, so it's just really sad, especially for us who really, really enjoy craft beer. Mm -hmm. But the Strand especially because that was where we first, all the three of us, the, the three of us went and just had a good old time just talking about <laughs> what we do on a podcast yeah. and having some beers and just talking. And I think you even brought some books over for us to like look yeah. over to see what we would review, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh -huh. it was just great. It was just a fun time for all. And, and it was a really nice, big, beautiful space too. Mm -hmm. So, R.I.P. The Strand Brewing Company. Pour one out. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So, On My Radar this week is a new number one by Marvel. And Jen, I don't know if you know, but Scarlet Witch number one came out this week. Uh, it's a new it number one um, written by Steve Orlando and uh, drawn by Sarah Pichelli. And um, the last whole storyline around Scarlet Witch was that she was dead. Uh, and then uh, there was Trial of Magneto because um, uh, it was basically assumed because a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, um, evidence pointed to the fact that he killed her. I didn't read. I only read, I think, issue number one. And I didn't read the rest. But apparently it turned out to be some kind of thing that they worked on together to do something or other. Uh, I have no idea. But anyway... <laughs> She was dead, now she's not. This actually... That's just um, standard Scarlet Witch byplay. You think she's dead, exactly. she's not. <laughs> so this story, number one, opens up um, with Wanda 
owning a little like uh, witchcraft shop, um, like a little uh, mysterious witchcraft magic shop. Um, mm-hmm. And she's um, she is the owner, and she has an interesting um, assistant with her. Um, we have in this. Uh, number one, the first appearance, the first uh, Marvel comic appearance of Darcy, um, the uh, the character that first appeared in Thor. Um, oh, she was yeah. played by the actress Kat Dennings. Um, but yes. uh, Darcy, uh, uh, let's see, Lewis is her last name. Yeah, Darcy mm-hmm. Lewis. Um, she was the character originally debuting in Thor, and um, she is Wanda's assistant at this little magic witchcraft shop. So the interesting thing about this store is that it has a special door, uh, a special interesting door that brings people in need um, because they're having issues with magic or dark magic or crazy weird stuff that nobody uh, who isn't into magic would know how to deal with brings them to Wanda. And so basically the way it works is that no matter where this person is, if they are in need, this door is going to find them. And whatever door they open could be going to the bathroom, could be going to work, whatever door they open, they're going to walk into Wanda's witchcraft shop. And so in issue number one, we get a, a woman who comes in to basically say her small little town is wackadoo crazy and she's the only one who seems to see it. Everyone else is under some kind of spell. So of course Wanda goes and and you know helps them out and stuff, but there's um a really interesting special surprise person that um shows up on Wanda's doorstep at the end and the hint that I will give you even though the book has been out for a week now I don't want to do any spoilers um is that it is somebody that she that Wanda considers to be one of her children so um Ooh. so anyway I really enjoyed it. Um, we also had uh, a showing from uh, her her brother, Pietro Quicksilver. He was uh, in issue number one. So if you're a, a Scarlet Witch fan um, and you've missed her over the last couple of years that she's been gone, it hasn't been, I feel like she's been gone for a while, um, she's back. And this first issue was actually pretty entertaining and interesting. Mm-hmm. That sounds super cool. I didn't know um, the Kat Dennings character wasn't a part of the comic uh, world. No. Uh-uh. So that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Sort of like Harlequin. Uh, she was part of the um, yeah. Batman animated series animated. and then uh-huh. went into the comics. And also Darrow from that's Walking cool. Dead. But he never yep. made it to the comics. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I like Daryl. Oh, my God. What time is it, guys? What time is it? You scared me. <laughs> I know. Because I, I looked down and I was like, it is that time. It is that time. It's time. I'm ready. I need one after today. Then that means it must be La Hora de la, la Cervecita. <laughs> All right. You know what? Today. I'm going to go get a glass. What was that? <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. All right. It's serious. Well, today, guys. It is very serious. We are drinking Extended Getaway Indian Pale Ale from Pizza Port Brewing Company. It has 7% 
uh, alcohol by volume. It's brewed in Canada. The same glass I've been using. Oh, sorry. The one from uh, 1870? Yeah. This is officially nice. my beer glass, no matter what <laughs> it is. <laughs> nice. So um, this brewing co company is located in Carlsbad, California. So it's by San Diego, which means it whales <laughs> vagina. Um, <laughs> what? <so. laughs> it's from Anchorman. <laughs> it has uh, Nelson Motueka and Crystal Hops. Uh, very interesting. It has like, you know, one of those um, huts that go into the ocean and those like beautiful islands with like, uh, so this one has like a surfboard and a, a hut in the ocean. Like you do see waves in the background and of course greenery on the side. Looks, um, it looks like a getaway. Oh yeah, but, it looks uh, like one of those house on stilts. Yeah, the house yes, is on house stilts on like in Tahiti. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it has, uh, no, no, you're right, Tahiti, Tahitian, under the Tahitian sun. That's from, what is that? That's a that's a song, uh, forgot. Porno song. Kairos? Uh, no, Jane's Addiction? I don't know, the same guy who sings it. I don't know, you, you've brought this particular song up many times. <laughs> I should know who sings it, right? right. All right. We opened the canon. I have not had an IPA in months. I have kind of sworn them off uh, during the summertime, and then I just never picked it back up. Oh, it has a nice color. Yeah, it is a nice color. Jen poured it into her glass. I'm drinking it out, yeah, of, uh, out of the can. Like it's got a, a nice yeah, kind of amber, almost. It's not clear, but it could be. Yeah, it's not yeah. as hazy as... Uh, some IPAs, definitely not a hazy IPA, but it's uh, it's for sure um, a little bit lighter in color. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it smells in it. Mm. The initial smell when you when you open the can was really nice, uh, citrusy uh, forward smell. Yes, I, I I definitely smell citrus oh. fruit, and it smells kind of sweet. Um. I just but like I just drank a little bit of the <laughs> head um, uh, <laughs> right now, and if it's any indication of the the actual beer tastes like, it's gonna mm. be good. Ooh, it's really good actually. It it's yeah. it's a nice it's a nice uh, it's a nice kind of full bodied of a, a, a yeah. body of flavor, and it's not too thick or heavy initially. I mean, I don't know what it's gonna be like after I finish this can, but right now it's really <laughs> delicious. And, you know, really I got good. this yeah. at yeah. I, I got this at Costco. Wow! So yeah, and I've seen it at several Costco, like three Costcos. I've seen this at, so it's a, I think it's available for purchase, like just around any place you um, purchase your craft beer. And just so you guys know, it's under the, it's the Tahitian Moon, and it's from Porno for Pyros. Ah, there you <laughs> it go. What did you just say to me? <laughs> the band is called Porno for Pyros, and the um, the song is Tahitian Moon. Oh, you know how okay. we're saying, yeah. <laughs> you know how we're saying that the house on stilts, like in Tahiti. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this beer. It's it sweet, really... but not like mm -hmm. sweet. Yes. Sweet. yes. 
yeah. like yeah. tropical beer sweet like <laughs> beer sweet exactly it's good i like it it's got very strong like citrusy vibes notes yeah i i really like the use of all these hops is really like coming together quite beautifully i i thought because this was going to be like a costco kind of costco carries this brand kind of beer it wasn't going to be as delicious as it is mm. because they're really safe on the beers they carry really um huh. yeah like um i think they carry uh, like they carry like i think the i think the pills from uh snow uh what's it called um smog brewery and mm. then the strand i think the mulberry park or mulberry lane mulberry okay. lane so it, it's kind of like kind of like the the a kind of a standard like a they, they they don't you know they don't carry like the really weird ones or anything like like a blanketed uh-huh. kind of but i'm really impressed with this the taste of this it's really really good yeah and actually i was looking at it and it's um, um for an ipa it's pretty like not that strong it's only um yeah seven uh, percent abv so mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty i mean beer wise maybe not like as light as some other beers but api wise pretty light for an ipa mm-hmm. yeah and not only that i feel like as we've gotten older and have grown with the podcast and grown with our beer tasting um and evolved i feel like at the beginning it was like the the higher the abv the better like that's what i'd go with when I, when I would buy beer. that was like my cho- my choosing was based on how Mm-hmm. how how strong it was but as time has gone on and i'm more in search of the flavor so even yeah. if it's a four or a five i'm still willing to give it a try if i read like the ingredients or if the art captures me mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah so are we ready to rate it yeah yeah Excellent. so we are on a five point rating scale with uh actually uh I guess six because we do have a flaccid still uh, as a zero. And then one is uh, very unsatisfied. Uh, two is unsatisfied, just a regular unsatisfied. Uh, then three is neutral. You're just like, meh, whatever. Um, four is satisfied. And five is very satisfied. So, uh, oh, and then I guess it's a. Seven points to give because <laughs> we also have Super Saiyan if it is off the charts. So um, yes. I will go ahead and get started. I am going to give it a five out of five. Very satisfied. I really enjoyed it a lot um, because I haven't uh, drank IPAs in a long time. I was worried that the aftertaste was going to be super, super overpowering, but it wasn't. I mean, it was there, but it. I know some beers that linger. And that's just oh, yeah. all I get. And then it kind of overpowers my next drink, my next mouthful. So this was actually really uh, subtle. Um, and the citrus sweetness of it, I really enjoyed. And I, for an IPA, I find it very drinkable. And um, I would definitely have it very cold during the summer as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. This does feel like a summer beer, too, um, especially with the can art. But um, yes, this is Sarah, and I am also going to give it a five. Very satisfied. Um, 
I am very pleased with the whole marriage of flavors. They're coming together quite beautifully, <clears throat> but also not overpowering, like you said, and not lingering as well. <clears throat> and it doesn't sit too heavy on your stomach. I think it's uh, it's I think it could be a definitely a uh, summer brew that you could just enjoy on a hammock in Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is Jen, and I'm going to agree with my comadres. Five out of five. It's really good. I'm trying very hard not to chug it. Because um, uh, it's got, it. I like, it's very tropical. Like, whatever yeah. the, like, even, like, the hops, like, for sure. Like, whatever it is that they've done, it, it, it is like you are laying down in a nice beach, a white sand beach somewhere. That isn't the Santa Monica Pier. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so it's um, um it's good. I like it. I like the flavor. I like the sweetness. I like the tropicalness of it. I like that it doesn't linger too much, and it's it's pretty good considering that this is an IPA. I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with it. So five out of five for me as well. Well, that's an excellent review from all of us, and that has <laughs> been our beer review. All right, guys. Now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, Kristen? So today we have the pleasure of reviewing Ripple Effects. Ripple Effects is um, a book published by Fanbase Press, and we actually reviewed the first issue of this uh, way back. I'm not even sure when it was, but it's been a while. And we reviewed it and really enjoyed it. And then uh, they came out with the trade. And so we were able to get a copy. And um, for those of you who may not have heard the episode prior, um, Ripple Effects is about George Gibson, who is invulnerable to physical harm, but fights every day to stay alive. Living with an acute case of type 1 diabetes, his invincibility is offset by a defective pancreas that must be monitored and treated daily. This incurable disease makes George's body both his greatest strength and his eternal weakness. What sets this series apart is a positive person-first representation about life with a chronic illness, which just so happens to also include superhuman abilities. But Ripple Effects isn't just a story about a character with an incurable disease. It's also a thrilling and relevant superhero take that touches on the difficulty of finding a work-life balance, the class struggles and economic inequality experienced by many in our nation, and the desire to help others during trying times. So um, that is a little bit of um, description of ripple effects. And it's the one thing that I, because um, I have copies of this in, in the shop, the one thing that I point out when people pick it up is that it is a pretty hefty book. Um, it's very thick for a trade paperback. There, I believe, are... Um, five issues in here is that right i'm just looking back to the last one here yep five issues um but 
one thing that I really enjoyed about this particular trade is that the back matter that was originally published in the single issues is included in the trade. And you don't often get that um, at all in trade paperbacks. So um, I think that's why it's thick. And um, that's... There's, the price point is no bigger than just a regular one. The price point is $24.99, so $25. Um, I know plenty of Marvel trades that are a quarter of this size and the same price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually read this uh, uh, digitally. And I got to say, when I initially started reading it, I thought it was going to go a certain way. Because we're introduced to George Gibson, of course, and um, we're seeing how um, he has to basically like it's and he's kind of on high alert all, all the time about his uh, his illness. Um, but then we are introduced to other superhumans such as Kristen Gutierrez, mm -hmm. and she is Salvadora, and she's basically the um, the strongest or the most present superhero in the United States. Uh, of course, later we find out that there's other superhumans, uh, but that they lay on the down low and they help people, but like not in like a very public way like salvadora does but we also are introduced to salvadora's brother who his name is juan uh and his his name is uppercut and when we're introduced to him i'm just like oh wow this this is going to be kind of like the classic uh your brother's a super villain and you know he's evil and all of that stuff but i was completely shocked reading the rest of the story and and realizing that they were both heroes, but in their own way, and maybe a different type of the way they see the world or the way they're interpreting of uh, helping people. And uh, one of them, of course, looks like he's a supervillain, Juan, but in reality, he's trying to help out people as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I was just like really taken aback, and I was really like impressed with the story writing um, where the development of all these all these persons there's several people in the story and they are all really well um the character build of each one of them is really really well done i never felt it was lacking in information or the pace of it even the dialogue was amazing i <laughs> i really just i find it so funny that one of the people that do that you see that is presented to everybody as a hero ends up being kind of like a super villain but he kind of is made that way because he was bullied his whole life even when he was presented as a hero his co-workers still kind of bullied him and um, and I thought what was really funny is his superhero name is The Cure. Mm -hmm. So I was like, is it coincidence that uh, <laughs> the hero is Kristen Gutierrez <laughs> and the, the villain is The Cure? And I say this because Kristen, Kristen our Kristen, her, uh, her favorite band is The Cure. So mm -hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> is this Sometimes coincidences just know. happen. <laughs> it was like i almost laughed out loud that was really cute but um <coughs> i really so this story basically again is george gibson and he is like struggling with his new diagnosis he's been struggling for two years because it just came about like two or three years ago in his life and um he's basically indestructible <coughs> but when his sh glucose drops 
he just he's completely like vulnerable so um he has to keep his EpiPen in order to inject himself but i don't know why he keeps losing it or it just burns <laughs> <Plot reasons. laughs> yeah but uh so but he's like really hyper aware of how this disease has taken over his life and he's a writer and so he's like having writer's block and there's a lot of things going on in his life Uh, but when um, Salvadora or Kristen actually comes across him and notices that he is is invulnerable is that Mm -hmm. invulnerable Um, then um, she wants to recruit him to be part of this superhero group that helps people but he's so wrapped in his himself and trying to just you know, one of the things that torments him and one of the things I really loved about the story is how they, um, um, they talk about medical debt. They talk about like Mm -hmm. not being able to afford medications. They talk about like, um, how his parents basically had to pull all their retirement money (laughs) and sell some properties in order to cover some of the bills. And they're still in debt. He just came out of college. Um, he's working at like, I wouldn't say Grubhub, but uh, but it's like a food delivery yeah. service. DoorDash. And um, DoorDash, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but also he's constantly like feeling the weight of the debt, that the medical debt that he's incurred. And so um, he's kind of tortured by that, I feel. And I mean, I don't blame him at all. It's just really, it just is really prominent in this movie. And so... S- He's a writer. He's a writer. You just told um, the future that it's going to become a movie. There you go. Barbara, we're manifesting this for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I really like the inner monologue, how he talks to himself. He's basically that relationship with himself in the story was just really funny it's hilarious and i mean he's just dealing with a lot of stuff he's kind of social anxiety and like his you know one of the things i loved is the the parents are super supportive of his writing they say you know you Mm -hmm. don't have to work just get out there and write the best america the next american novel like you you need to to focus on that and one of the things that i was as i was reading the story i felt like they were so supportive of their son um because I feel that when they found him like on the floor, sprawled on the floor and obviously called the ambulance and everything and they took him into the hospital, um, they kind of felt like life is so like you can be here and then be gone the next day. Like for them, they're just want to feed his creativity. And I think that's really eye opening to uh, as the parents to see that their kid, you know, is suffering um, this illness. And like if he doesn't take care of himself, he can, you know, go into some coma or in, in, in essence pass away. So I think that, uh, that that was like written purposefully because, you know, when you come so close to death or see somebody coming close to death, like your whole like way of thinking shifts. Like instead of saying you got to get a job and you got to start paying some bills and stuff like that, they're like, no, live in the trailer in the back, just write, we'll take care of the food, we'll take care of the TP, you know, just focus on your art. But he's so riddled with guilt that he just wants to do something in order to help out his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even concept. dying is it. Yeah. Even for him thinking of dying is, is so like, it's 
really hard on him because he's like, if I die, then who's going to take care of my parents? You know, so even then he's still feeling guilt. Like it's just like this amount of guilt he carries around. It's crazy. But that's just in the background of the story. There is a bigger story uh, unfolding between the superheroes and um, in his involvement in them. What did you guys think? Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, one of the things that I enjoyed, which you already picked up on and uh, mentioned is the way that it, the, the story talks so realistically about health issues. And, um, I think we've talked about, um, the organization that, uh, Teresa Rojas, Dr. Rojas is involved in, um, graphic medicine. Um, and, uh, this particular book actually, um, is a book that falls into that genre of, um, storytelling. And if you don't know what graphic medicine is, the, um, forward by Matthew No, who is a librarian at the Harvard medical school, um, tells you all about it uh, in the forward. So graphic medicine refers to the intersection of the medium of comics and the dis discourse of health. In essence, as a genre, it refers to comics that touch on health and illness. This includes things like ripple effects, which explore specific disease, but it could also include broader topics like racism, climate change, and colonialism, which all impact the experiences of health and illness. So mm -hmm. um, I think, thought that uh, the book did a really good job, not only in the story, but also in the back matter. I'm telling you, I really enjoyed reading the stories, one of which uh, Dr. Rojas actually wrote, but at the end of each um, issue, issue or chapter. there mm -hmm. was a, um, there was a, like a story from a, another person who talked about their own, uh, physical limitations, um, health wise. Um, Dr. Rojas's story was about her type two diabetes. Um, and then, um, another one was, um, about, uh, myalgic, uh, I can't even say this chronic fatigue syndrome, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, myalgic encephalomyelitis. I'm sure I mispronounced that. <laughs> but I learned a lot about, um, you hear this sometimes, not a lot, but you do hear it and I'd heard it. Um, but I think a lot of people don't really give mind to unseen illnesses. Um, right. and being in a position where you might appear to be healthy, but you're not. And so people don't treat you. Um, they, they sometimes even treat you, um, worse because they can't, see that you're sick. So if you are parking in the handicap or you're sitting in the handicap section on the bus or in public transportation, or you get up to get on the plane first, uh, with the special needs group and people will judge you because you don't oh, yeah. look quote unquote sick. And so, um, I actually learned a lot about that. And I think maybe even some of the biases that I may have had that I wasn't aware of, um, were called out in that back matter. And so I, 
really enjoyed that part. And the story, of course, has a girl named Kristen in it, so I loved it too. But um, <laughs> it was there was a lot that was going on um, because uh, Gabriel, I'm not Gabriel, George, another G name, George. <laughs> I actually got annoyed with him in the beginning and was like, you're just spoiled. You're just annoying. And I, he was like, <laughs> I was like, just do something worthwhile. Um, but of course there's character development throughout the story and he learns how to be, because I did see him as kind of selfish in the beginning. And mm-hmm. I think he kind of like de- develops and learns and, and actually at the end, learns how valuable working together and helping others is in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story um, was, I really enjoyed it. Um, the back matter I really enjoyed and I did, I enjoyed the art too. Um, the art uh, is very, um, I don't know what it reminds me of, but uh there's something about it that, I mean, and it goes really well with the story. Um, but I just really uh, enjoyed the covers, too. The covers of all of the um, all of the uh, issues are really interesting and cool, too. So, that was- Yeah, I, partic- <clears throat> I particularly loved these scenes where <clears throat> they either um salvadora or that other guy who jumps i think his name is jumptron Mm -hmm. when they are like jumping or flying over the city those night scenes of the city those Mm -hmm. were just really breathtaking Mm -hmm. because you could see it's nighttime and how the artist uh made the city look it's it's so like just really brilliant like he, I, don't, I don't I think he didn't even put like actual buildings but just like the 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 lights from the buildings I don't know it was just really captivating I was really I really loved those um those um that art part the part of the art in the comic book and like you said yes I did love the covers those were amazing as well and um um what was I gonna say I also loved loved the essays they really <clears throat> they really were like really informative and mm-hmm. like you said like I learned a lot about me as well like thinking um hey you know just because I saw that person walk out of her car in this park in the handicapped section doesn't mean that you know they're just che- there's a lot of people that cheat the system where they pay someone to get the um handicapped uh, sign oh, from the DMV yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but um it may not be that and maybe they're suffering from an invisible illness Mm -hmm. that we can't see you know so i learned about that and also um there was one more thing i wanted to say about that oh yeah i felt that the that george was a little bit selfish at the beginning but i also felt like um i felt like i understood him especially when he didn't want to tell people from the jump start that he was ill oh uh uh-huh there because he doesn't know if there's the type of person that are is going to be kind of condescending or um you know kind of like see him as his illness only and not as himself um a lot of the things in the back matter that i read was like uh the illness is part of me but it's not who i am <clears throat> so you learn about that but i mean there's like I said, there's a bigger plot to the story that was really super entertaining, and I think all the all the characters were fleshed out and were um, really well written. <clears throat> I totally enjoyed this. What about you, Jen? What did you think? 
Well, I think you guys pretty much covered all of it. Uh, I don't really have much to add. Um, uh, you all, you both did such a great job of uh, examining the book. Um, we'll say that I do like the artwork. It has a very co soft color palette. I think that's um, mm -hmm. uh, where you were going because it's all, it's very like kind of warm, almost neutral tones, but they do use like bright reds and like bright greens, but they're never like neon. They have like a nice, like soft aspect to them that never comes across as harsh, but still like you can tell the action scenes and stuff apart from like, you know, like the everyday scenes. Um, and like the use of, um, um, like, I don't know if it's opacity. I don't know like what the technical terms or like how the artist achieved it, but it has an overall very soft, very appealing uh, look to it. Um, I did like the back matter. I like the forward. I like the backward um, um, that we had from like people who suffer from some form of chronic chronic illness and the many forms that it comes in. Like you said, that we have invisible illnesses. You have very overt ones. And I think it's... Um, uh, because I does the story is a superhero story. I think we should get that out of the way. Is that it is a superhero story? It's just one that's filled a lot with like very very common medical terminology that is um, um or like like kind of like medical things that we don't really think about until we are either in that situation or we know someone who is in that situation. Uh, and if you're blessed of having like you know being fit uh one hundred percent all the time, then good for you. But I think it. it the book does a very good job of being compassionate without being condescending as well. Yes. Um, um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's really good. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I, just I don't wanted... want this. <laughs> so sorry. I just wanted to say, I don't want to spoil the actual other part of the storyline because I definitely think you guys should pick this book up and it's available online as well. Um, but um, there is a point in the story where I was team uh, Kristen and then I started to sway to team Juan. So <laughs> just to let you know, <laughs> what were you going to say, Kristen? Oh, I just wanted to say that I think it's worth mentioning also that Jordan Hart, who is the writer in this book, um, has an essay too. His essay is at the back of issue five, um, where he talks about his own invisible illness. And so that gave a lot of, um, of I think, validity for me anyway, as a reader, uh, of um, what he put into the story with regards to George's illness, because even though uh, Jordan doesn't have diabetes, he does have um, what would be considered an invisible illness. And so a lot of that went into his character um, and character development and character issues um, that he wrote with George. And so I thought that that was um, really interesting to learn. Oh, absolutely. I, I completely enjoyed the back matter. And I really love the essays, how they, the people that were writing them tied a little bit of the character with their mm -hmm. own story. Like it was just really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. We got to read an essay from Mike, who is um, the artist and a co-creator of um, Out of Service. No. Uh, Out of Order. What is it called? Out of Order, thank you, uh, which is a book that I completely loved as well and we have reviewed on the podcast. Um, I got to say that during the the, the the fifth or the final issue, like there was a um, panels that I read. I'm not going to spoil it, but it brought me to tears. So um, it's it's 
I just surprise, really surprise, felt- <laughs> surprise. 2023. And, and I, I think it was just such a, I think it was just such a heartfelt, um, and just kind of a beautiful. I can't even. I I don't know. But it's it was hard to beautiful. Put into words. <laughs> yeah, two words. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. the last thing I want to say um, again about Jordan is that he's a Heidi Ho regular. He used to um, not anymore, but he used to live in Santa Monica, and he used to come in very often. Um, he had a pool list, and um, actually. The beginnings of Ripple Effects started at Heidi Ho. He came in with this idea while um, Barbara and everybody were there uh, celebrating the um, quince, quintessential quince, where it's the big, thick hardcover. And we had an, uh, a party there and signing with everybody. Um, Dr. Rojas came and because um, she had uh, she had the study guide. Well, he came into that event and actually approached Barbara uh, and Bryant. Uh, about his idea, and that was the beginning of fan base publishing ripple effects. We make things happen. Wow. Just yes. our oh, so wow. We make things happen. Yeah, it was at the Comodity <laughs> event for Quince at Heidi Ho. I think it's that also is a beautiful story. Yeah, I think it also goes to show that I think, I mean, it's not that easy, but it is that easy. You get me? Like, yeah, yeah. You have an idea, pitch it. See where you can you do it? Can you make it? Can you put in the work to do it? And if you can, then you got it. Mm-hmm. You can put your you can put your idea out there, and it will be picked up, and it will be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was wonderful. I really enjoyed this book. Um, like I said, uh, towards the end, it was just really emotional for me, um, and it was just such beautifully done. I even the parts where I was like, "Stop whining and just use your superpower. You have a you you have a responsibility to the world to use your superpower." Um, but the dialogue was really well done. <laughs> I mean, you know, like even that, I mean, one of my favorites was when Kristen and George were like arguing. They were like straight out arguing, like, and they were not pulling punches in their words. And I was just like, damn, this is like in your face. Like, I like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And not at any point did anybody do come to blows. It was Mm -hmm. just really just words and there was just and you could see it in the art like you could see the dialogue bubbles but you could see like that stare at each other kind of like well you 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 do this and you and you 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 know like it was just really like kind of a it was a very human argument yes yes very often in like kind of superhero or kind of like in uh i think in media a lot of arguments always end up in like fisticuffs or whatever like yeah um um Especially, I mean, and it's pretty easy because you can say like, oh, there's superpower, they can take it or whatever. But this was a very, it was very like, this is how most fights go. This is how most arguments go. You're like mad at each other and you mostly say words, but very, very rarely does it ever actually to a physical altercation because it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You get me? Like it's, it's a way that you can like, like a uh, very healthy form 
arguing, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I got so swept away with talking about this book. And because we haven't recorded in so long, I forgot we actually have to actually rate the book. Yeah. So I, think we're, I think we're ready to rate it. I, I, I was so like just taken aback and got all emotional. Um, so this is Sarah and I'm going to rate it. I'm going to give it the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado and a, a slice of the king's bread, La Rosca. <laughs> because I just cut it, I just cut it uh, on Friday, and uh, my husband got the little baby in the rosca. So. Is it really already that time? Yes, it's that time. Well, it was. No, it already passed apparently, and I just forgot. Yeah, was, yeah, we did it on Friday. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna so get yes, that discount uh, rosca. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny okay so this is Kristen and I am going to uh, give it three conchas and oh my god what's the is there a Latino equivalent of mulled wine I had mulled wine for the first time this holiday season Yes, right. Thank you. Yes. yes. So three conches and a and a whole freaking pitcher of concha (laughs) ponche. I'm pretty sure there is actually like a wine variant too somewhere, but I just don't know. Uh It's probably Oh my goodness. I, I I made it for the first time. I went to San Antonio Winery and and they had some to try. Oh my god, it was so good. So I brought Oh yeah. Bought everything I needed to. I came home. I made it. I I was drunk on Christmas Day by noon. Because <laughs> it's so good. It's so tasty. Yes. It was so good and nice and warm. And oh, mm-hmm. I digress. But anyway, <laughs> three conchas and a pitcher of ponche. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Jen. And I'm also going to give it uh, three conchas. And uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with the classic champurrado. Because it's good. It's a good classic. Um, um, <laughs> it was, and it was a good book. I think it, it really deserves it. Um, um, so three conchas and a cup of champurado for me. All right. And that has been our book review. All right, guys. Now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today we have something from somebody we know. Uh, and it is Dark Mouse Inc., a limited run comic book about mice, murder, and mayhem. So we know Nathaniel. <laughs> oh my God. Even if I didn't know Nathaniel or anything about that, that tagline right there, I'm in like 100%. <laughs> it's so good. Nathaniel did such a good uh, job with like putting that uh, like that. But uh-huh. of course, um, uh, uh, Dark Mouse is by Nathaniel Osoyo, and he has decided to um, uh, fund his comic book on Crowdfunder, which is a new interesting site that I had never heard or seen of before. But here is the kind of like synopsis that we have that he has here on the Crowdfunder. The Darkest of Mice. Dark Mouse <laughs> is an original gritty crime comic book about a mouse with a chip on his shoulder. Join this crowdfunder campaign to follow our titular rodent on his murder investigation. Is this a straightforward case or will he find much more than he bargained for? He's hot on the tail of whodunit and hey, what's that mysterious black liquid? Ink is a limited run comic a book that features a black on black cover and a first page designed for original art. Art. 
sorry. Each physical edition will be unique, complete with an original drawing, signature, and print number. This is an individualized treat for any comic collector, and especially for the lovely Dark Mouse collectors. So this is very specifically kind of like um, um, him publishing it and doing original art on it and having like a really cool like cover page for it all in black and white. Um, so what you need to know is uh, this writing and art for this comic book art is finished. It's all done. Uh, it's ready to go into the printer. Uh, they're just... You're just waiting for the green light. All that's needed is for people to pre-order their copies through the campaign, and money uh, raised through the campaign will go towards production, printing, and shipping of the book. Every contributor of the at the physical level will receive a high-quality comic with original art, all in one book. And this cool. is a limited run. He it, once you order this, like it, I don't think he's even going to have be able to like have it. There's only going to be 200 comics printed. Wow. Um, uh, oh shoot yeah okay so the size of the book like he's got all the details on here is going to be uh 5.5 inches by 8.5 so like standard printer copy um uh of like a regular comic book or zine it's going to be in black and white it's going to be over 30 pages all of original dark mouse content and so here are the rewards um um at $10, you get the digital copy of Dark Mouse, Inc. At $20, if you're still in time for the early bird special, you get a physical copy of Dark Mouse, Inc. Uh, once those are all taken up, it goes up to $25. Um, uh, so if you're in luck, you can still snag one of those. Uh, at $50 is the retailer level, which is five copies of the book. And at $75 is the original drawing commission. Um, uh, so he's he's going to be like actually drawing them in, but if you want more original art, uh, in, not just like the book, this is the tier that you can get. And Nathaniel is a very good artist. Um, um, the design oh, seems amazing. yeah, the design seems simple, but I ask any artist, and they will say that the simplest designs are always the <laughs> hardest. <laughs> and anybody who can make them, like make it and make them look complex. While still keeping like a very simple design, it's oh god tier. Um, um, and then at $158 is the original art page from the book. So he does have some stretch goals. Um, uh, at $1,500, if he meets his campaign goal, um, uh, it's basically gonna be. He's, he isn't going to have to, like, cut any corners or anything. It's going to be an all-black, slick wraparound cover. So I think if he doesn't hit this, he might, you might, you will still get, like, what it is that you want. It just might not be, like, fully what he wants and to envision it. Um, um, at $1,750, which is over $250 over the goal, um, um, that he's putting out the, let me read on here. He's adding four more pages to the book if he hits the stretch goal. Uh, oh, and he cool. has a, a breakdown of where all the money is going to be going into. Uh, it's a it's pretty good, so check it out. It's going to be on Crowdfunder, C-R-O-W-D-F-U-N-D-R.com, Dark Mouse. And that's spelled exactly how it is. 
D-A-R-K space M-O-U-S-E. So right now, um, uh, his goal is $1,500. It's a pretty honest and humble goal, honestly. Uh, He Mm -hmm. is about halfway there. He's at $755. Uh, with 18 contributors and 27 days to go. You can always support without a reward, but if you do want a reward and you want like a, a, a copy of the book, it does start off at $20 uh, for the early bird. And if you're not in time for that, uh, there is the regular version, which is at $25. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today, I actually came across this website that I'd never seen before um, that is pretty interesting. It's simply called latinostories.com. And uh, uh, latinostories.com is... uh, a nonprofit organization. Well, actually, I don't think it's nonprofit. It's just a website that was started in 2006, making it one of the oldest sites dedicated to Latino literature and Latino studies. Um, in 2020, it was redesigned with a mission to provide resources that provide real stories of Latino populations. So I came on here and I was like, wow, there's like on the main page, there are. Um, Top 2022 Top Latino Latinx Authors. Um, There's book reviews. Uh, There um, are interviews. Um, It's super interesting, and it all revolves around Latino uh, authors. So I was looking in there, and I was trying to see if there were any graphic novels there. I didn't actually see any, so maybe I can... uh, or your listeners out there can send them some ideas of some Latino authors and creators uh, that you would like to be highlighted on this website. So latinostories.com, all kinds of cool book reviews and articles and interviews uh, and lists about Latino authors that you should know about and uh, read their stories. Question. Does that it still have amazing. the early 2000s dark web aesthetic going on to it? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Which means it's just a bunch of text and like maybe some blue hyperlinks with a white or black background. Uh, then the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Once you said 2006, I knew what kind of website it had to look like. If it didn't, then they're too modern. Oh yeah, no, it's it looks exactly like that. It's it's just one long looks like um like a what do you call it a um a blog of just yep. links to stories and different things. And yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. I love it. I love it. They haven't moved on from 2005 internet web, uh, web design. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, when you go to their menu, they have things separated by uh, annual top 10 top, Authors, so I'm assuming they've done that since 2006. They have authors by country, um, and then yeah, and then videos of um, of interviews by Latinx authors with other stuff too. Other top uh, other 
top 10 books and films, uh, literature resources, which include, uh, that's where you'll find book reviews, author interviews, um, author infos, essays, and also uh, a Latinx kid lit corner. So full of children's books. So lots of cool stuff on here. And um, I really uh, am glad that I found it because one day I swear I'm going to try to make time to read books without pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs) Nice. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Nostalgic Comic Shop. They are located on 513 South Del Mar Avenue in San Gabriel, California. Uh, again, it's De- Del Mar, D-E-L-M-A-R Avenue. So we are shouting them out and, and saying saludos because they are going to have on Saturday, January 14th, between 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., they're going to have a Ripple Effects signing at their location. Uh, Fanbase Press and Ripple Effects team invite you to a signing with creator, writer, colorist Jordan Hart at Nostalgic Comic Shop in San Gabriel. And again, it's January 14th from 12 noon to 3 p.m. So Head on over there, get yourself a copy of Ripple Effects and have it signed by the creator of Ripple Effects. And um, check out and meet the awesome team behind um, Fanbase Press. So saludos goes out to you guys. And of course, uh, the owner of um, Nostalgic Comic Shop is... Peter um, Melanie. Yes, exactly. Peter Manelini. So saludos goes out to you guys. I hope you guys have a great signing day. And that concludes the saludos. All right, guys. Now it's that time again. It is the end of the episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can go to commodicycomics.com and find all of our links to all of our socials uh, and uh, information about your lovely hosts and uh, email at commodicycomics at gmail.com. Yes, and we're on all most of social media, uh, TikTok. Uh, I haven't done much Snapchat because I think that has uh, already uh, come to its conclusion. And uh, so you'll find more of our stuff like on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, again, you can email us at comics at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We we're glad to be back after taking a little winter break. Um, thank you so much for your support. And we have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>